0: Incense going.
1: Incense? Yeah, I
0: mean, it's not really incense. It's just yeah. like, wood. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't wood. burn as long. It just smells, like, woody. Nice. I tend to like that better than incense. You kind of probably know that by now.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> I hate the smell of incense, quite honestly. I don't
0: mind it, but on a regular basis, I would prefer like just this shit which I guess like hippies really like just like some Palo Santo it just smells good it just smells like a fire yeah. like a campfire
1: it's the thing I don't like yeah that's the thing I don't like about um, incense is that it smells like that patchouli head shop yeah. Like.
0: or like I mean you smelled what like sage smells like bring that in my apartment
1: uh, yeah like oh, yeah. a wiccan
0: like a regular twilight reader
1: yeah no it always surprises me like the when i what the number of people that like just like burned sage to like cleanse rooms and shit
0: you never know
1: burning the sage grew
0: up with a lot of uh ghost fearing christians <laughs> like, I think all my friends believed ghost in ghosts theory. to some degree, and their families did, too.
1: Do you believe in ghosts?
0: How often do you think ghost story writers actually believe in ghosts?
1: Edith Wharton, uh, as listeners will know, one of my favorite writers, she had, she has a great quote that people often reference, which is, uh, I don't believe in ghosts, but I'm still frightened by them. Like, yeah. It's a frightening idea.
0: I get it. I mean, it makes sense, you know? Just like, have you ever been sleep-deprived enough to, like, start seeing shit? And you're like, I know this thing's not real, but it terrifies me that, like, I'm seeing this figure out of the corner of my eye. I know it's just because I haven't slept.
1: I've gone on, you know, where we grew up, there's a lot of old, like, colonial houses and stuff, and I've, I've had stories of people that claim that their house is haunted like but it's just straight friends right like firsthand recountings of, yeah me of too that. that's what i like
0: i feel like we yeah. all grew up with friends who whose families believe their houses were haunted and like not just my friends like and their then families, i've
1: too. yeah and then i've been on like ghost walks because we grew up Listeners that are from the mid-Atlantic area will know that it's ripe with, like, Civil War battlefields and kind of Revolutionary War battlefields. And there's, like, all kinds of ghost walks and shit you can go on and, like, take. And I've been on a few of those at, like, around Gettysburg and stuff. Um, Didn't see anything, but there is that thing where, like, because... You're a little on edge, like walking through the dark in this like abandoned field, be. essentially. Yeah. That is like a yeah, and like you're in a group, like it's like a group of 25 people, with, like a tour guide taking you through the battlefields of like Gettysburg at night. Cause you know, you go there during the day, but at night, you want to do like one of these ghost tours if you're ever staying in and around, you know, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Virginia, even parts of Tennessee, Eastside right? Tour group. Well, i never, yeah, you don't feel at ease, but then the tour guide kept doing shit, like, the whole time, where, like, he'd be giving us, like, a spiel about the battle, and, like, what happened here, and these fields that we're standing in, and then he'd stop and, like, look behind us and be like, oh, my God, and then everybody would, like, turn, like, be like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, I don't believe in ghosts, but I'm fucking terrified that they might be yeah, real, dear. uh, that's, like, the whole thing, or right? that's the whole appeal. And really yeah. it's great
0: sorry i have to readjust my mic because bill i told you not bill my husband had to rearrange my desk a little bit i don't know why he rearranged it the way he did because he's a lefty and honestly i would think that this setup makes that worse but i don't know
1: huh i never knew he was left-handed
0: yeah fucking freak yeah He's a monster
1: Monster, yeah, he's a (laughs) fucking ghost Fucking ghost
0: Heavy Bored Heavy I am heavy, heavy, heavy Bored
1: Today we're doing uh, Nick Flynn's The Captain Asks for a Show of Hands. Rundown, rundown. This book was originally published in 2011 by Gray Wolf. Gray Wolf. Probably the best kind of small independent press in existence right now.
0: It's one that you automatically like. Whenever you pick up one of their books, you automatically recognize that. Like, you go, "Oh, this is from Grey Wolf." Like when I saw this book, I was like, "This is from yeah. Grey Wolf, isn't it?" I don't know if it's just their design. The yeah, design, something. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you just know. Maybe it's that. Do they have this like red binding a lot? Um, oh. Uh, something about their books. Yeah. Well, no, stands but. Out.
1: I don't know what it is, but gray wolf i've heard they've have really great public they have a great publicist they have pretty good book design too like they have better book designs i would say uh consistently than most big presses do i mean we don't have to get into book design right now or we could (laughs) like what the book book jackets look like
0: that shit's hit or miss yeah
1: it's hit or miss, but you know, there's been a trend recently where it's just kind of like a lot of neon colors and shapes and shit on every fucking book cover, and like fruit or whatever. <laughs> it's just like fruit, and the book will be called something like uh, "I Burn <laughs> Here" or whatever, and it's like pictures of like fruit or something like all on, yeah, the, dude, on the on the cover, like sexy. a pastel. Uh, yeah, I guess it was very in. It's, it's hopefully it's starting to fade out, but yeah. Yeah, but when every book on the shelf looks like that, it is not so eye-catching. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when you go through like the bookshelves and you're just seeing like, the same book cover on everything. But this has a pretty good book cover because they have a pretty good art department there at Grey Wolf. So Grey Wolf is good. They publish a lot of... Really, Grey Wolf publishes some of the most interesting poets right now. Like They really have a good poetry um, editor over there. And they publish a lot of the the better poetry or the better poets that or I would say are the better poets of uh, contem- you know, know contemporary you contemporary writers they
0: do fiction and shit
1: yeah they do fiction but again it's, it's usually smaller stuff because they're a smaller press but uh, you know they do like kind of artsy literary books they don't really do any of the big um, money making pop style books or anything like that But, yeah, originally published in 2011.
0: Was it his third book?
1: Yeah, I think this was his third book of poetry overall. Uh, He's most famous for his uh, memoirs. The most famous one being Another Bullshit Night in Suck City. uh, Which was, like, Nick Flynn's first big, like, claim to fame. At least what made him a lot of money. And granted him, like, the freedom to start doing all this other stuff. But, Yeah. And we have the same version of this.
0: I'm assuming. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I assume we do. Yeah. Same version. I think it's the only version that exists. I mean, this is a poetry book, you know, I man. Not like there's a whole lot of different versions and printings of poetry books unless they're like hundreds of years old or something. Okay, so we have the same cover. We, I mean, we have the same edition. We have the same book. Got covered all that. <clears throat> Page numbers will match up. It'll be linked in the description, as always. Get yourself a copy, listeners. This is this is one you probably don't want to miss. You'll hear us talk about it. But let's do housekeeping quickly before I forget. Listeners, we are still looking for workshop horror stories. If you have a workshop horror story, send it to us at heavyboardpodcast at gmail.com. For those that don't know, we also have a subscription plan. You can go to patreon.com slash heavyboard and subscribe to this podcast to support us. We have a couple different tiers. We try to make them affordable for everyone. Uh, so go subscribe. That helps us out. If you can't afford that, don't want to, there are other ways to support us. You can like, share, subscribe on YouTube or whatever podcast platform you uh, enjoy your podcasts on. Leave us a five-star review, share with friends and family, etc. All of that helps us out so if you enjoy it give us a like give us a follow give us a subscribe click and we'll be here we'll be here and that's it for housekeeping I feel like I always have to remind like you have to like constantly market ourselves like remind people that like we exist
0: yeah that's the worst
1: everybody hates doing it and it is awkward at first but now that I've been doing it a few times I'm just like yeah whatever like yeah please, please support, please support <laughs> us, please, we have no money, no prospects, all we have are some books,
0: and some toilet paper,
1: and some TP, yeah. sometimes used as bookmarkings, bookmarks, some toilet paper yeah, bookmarks, do you? No, but if we ever got, uh, if we ever got big enough, we should make those. In our merch shop. We sell them in a merch shop. <laughs> Toilet yeah. paper bookmarks. Fucking merch. You can wipe and or mark your place.
0: <laughs> mark your place. That's all it needs to say. Yeah.
1: <laughs> keep, it, keep your place clean. Keep oh, the pages clean. Question. All right, initial thoughts.
0: What did you think, Soph? Um, started very positive, as you know. Sort of flamed out just went just the flame was strong and then it kind of died at the end um i liked i think i'll say i really liked about 50 percent of it
1: is this the first nick flynn
0: you've read Mm -hmm, no but it's the first nick flynn i've read in a really long time
1: yeah
0: like i i think if i went back and reread his first book which is the only one i'm familiar with which is some ether Um, I think I would big debut. I think I would, uh, be surprised by a lot of it. Like, I don't remember most of it. I remember liking it.
1: Yeah, some ether is good, listeners, if you're curious. Some ether is good. I am biased because I like Nick Flynn. I like, I think, I own all his poetry books, at least. I'm a fan. I think he's, uh. Well, I have, like, a few things that I'll nitpick, as you guys will hear in this podcast here, because, uh, you know, everybody has their preferences. I think he's one of the most original and kind of daring. Yeah, I was
0: going to say, I think he's really playful. I think he's risky, and I like that. I think that's exciting. I think that's fun. I think he cares a lot about sound, which I care a lot about. So I'm always going to be biased toward those writers. Yeah. I liked yeah. a lot of this book, but yeah, there were also things about it that fell short for me.
1: Yeah, and you know, you're never going to please everybody all the time type thing, but uh, I, I've similar in terms, it does peter out a little yeah. bit, like in terms of uh, around the second section of the book, you yeah. start to get a little bit petering. At least the intensity of this, the first half starts to wane a little bit by then.
0: Fuck is word, <laughs> you know? Falling limp.
1: Yeah. Your Peter's a little yeah, limp there. Uh, that's what it
0: sounds like. Peter. <laughs> it's Petering. Peter. Peter. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh. oh yeah. Uh, this is a Peter podcast. Uh, <laughs> petering. Petering podcast. Petering podcast falling off. But yeah, I think he's one of the most original and daring contemporary poets that we have in America right here. Uh, I, listeners will know I really don't keep up with any kind of contemporary stuff. I'm of the Mary Oliver persuasion that tells everyone that if you try to keep up with contemporary literature and poetry, you're just going to drive yourself crazy. Just enjoy what you enjoy and constantly be seeking it out, kind of yeah. thing. Like, you don't need to be keeping up with every release, every writer coming out with a new book. Uh, but sometimes people like that so if you like it keep doing it but if not you know don't worry about it you just got to keep seeking it out and this is his third book of poems as we said he writes basically a book of poems like every like five to ten years uh, all of which are wildly original so i own all three of his books that he's put out here of poetry and they're all worth buying and reading and, and and contemplating Is this the
0: last one he put out
1: i think so unless he put out one more recently where i wasn't paying attention like i just said uh, to like the contemporary releases uh i think this is his most recent book of poetry um but he has put out you know memoirs since this he I think he's put out like two two more memoirs since then
0: yeah i know he's put
1: out uh, i've never read the memoirs but you know that's really what made him his big big claim to uh the so literary fame. As famous as literary people get now, which isn't very right, but enough that if you probably like books, like poetry, you know who Nick Flynn is. You follow it. Are you looking it up?
0: Yeah. Let's see what we have.
1: Was My Feelings the most recent one?
0: That's twenty fifteen. Yeah. Okay. I will so destroy this is the third you. Twenty nineteen. Poems. Poems.
1: Okay, so I haven't read the most recent book of poems, then. Yeah, my feelings is good. Uh, I forgot about that entirely. Yeah, but so
0: that would have been after this book.
1: Yeah. Um, my feelings is guess, good. Yeah, it's good. Oh,
0: yeah. Something came out last year, a memoir. Okay.
1: Yeah, he likes to put memoirs in between every poetry book, kind of thing. Which you know, as a writer, you get bored, right? You want to change it up some. But uh, my favorite that I've his that I've read. Blind Huber, dude. Blind Huber is, is such an underrated his book. Second collection of uh, poems. Yeah, his second book is such an underrated book. Um, he gets really creative with the themes as you'll hear us go into today. Like, I Really, I just can't praise Nick Flynn enough in terms of what my taste, what he does for me, the spots he hits. Really hits my sweet spot when I read a lot of his books. And then his craft is... Well, at times I'll nitpick it. You'll hear me do some today. Like, it's usually, I can can usually at least see what he's trying to do, even if I think it failed or didn't succeed in some way. I can usually see, you know, what he's trying to do, and we'll talk about line breaks in this book as we get to some poems here. But all right, that's my spiel. I love Nick Flynn. I like this book. You should pick up a copy. Uh, All that good shit. Where did you want to start?
0: I mean, do you want to talk about the epigraph?
1: Yeah, we'll always. Start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. Uh, so, the quote to start the book uh, A spokesman can only state his purpose that it doesn't happen more often.
0: His surprise. Spokesman can only state his surprise that it doesn't happen more often.
1: All right. A spokesman can only state his surprise that it doesn't happen more often. What do we think?
0: I think it's interesting that he chooses to quote himself.
1: <laughs>
0: Pretty bold.
1: <laughs>
0: this is a quote from, from some ether. It's from some his ether, first right.
1: book. Yeah, I guess that's what people say about Flynn is that he's a little egotistical, right? In terms of Well, it's like just that. like
0: it's interesting. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's definitely uh, bold, it's risky
1: it's quite frankly I don't think there's enough of the kind of like egotistical kind (laughs) of poets out there, I don't think there's enough Uh,
0: there are they're just pretending otherwise yeah,
1: well so I mean they hide it where he's much more unashamed of it you know, we did John Keats check that out, listeners, episode 6 he was, you know we talked about Keats kind of having this kind of thinking he was the best thing that ever lived, right? Like there's just this level of confidence that one to just write period is required. But two, when you have like this kind of, some would say even, you know, undeserved or too much, or yeah, egotistical or an annoying amount of confidence. uh, But that's required, man. Like if you're going to start trying to like do bold, creative things, I mean, yeah, you better fucking believe in yourself uh, or it's not going to work out. Uh, So I appreciate that. Do we know what poem it's taken from?
0: Is it from... Hang on. Unless it's from... Is it from this book? Every day something. This time a a French ship with all her passengers and crew slides into the North Sea. The water's so cold it finishes them. Nothing saved but a life stenciled a life ring stenciled grace, cut loose from its body. The spokesman can only state his surprise that it doesn't happen more often. Now I'm looking. It's not from the first book. I mean, it's not from the first section. It's gotta be from some ether.
1: Can't Google it?
0: I did. I got some kind of... Some fairly... Yeah okay the title as well as the epigraph a spokesperson can only state his oh okay I think the captain asks for a show of hands is a poem in some ether that's why I was getting confused I got it okay so the title of this book is also taken from his first book
1: what do we think of the title I like it oh yeah it's fucking great it's a great yeah yeah
0: yeah um, and you know, I think I'm not going to be nitpicky about it. I think it does a good job of holding those pieces together. And we'll talk about this, but in the poems that most refer to the title, yeah. that have a sort of refrain of talking to the captain right, or addressing the captain, uh, yeah, I think and it he works did well this with those. A,
1: he did that in Blind Huber, too, where he there's like a a captain or like a sir or like a person that keeps being referred to in the poems. Uh, and that's just kind of a quirk that Nick Flynn likes to do. And I think it usually works pretty fucking well. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, some, I it. mean, it's yeah. something we
0: see in Berryman, too.
1: Berryman. Oh, yeah. As we've said before, right, listeners, if you haven't figured it out, this is a Berryman pod. <clears throat> no doubt Flynn was read Berryman. All that good stuff. I guess we didn't really introduce Flynn to people. Shit. Not like anybody gives a fuck. I yeah. guess. Uh, at this point, you know he's the author of three memoirs. Most famous one was another bullshit night in Suck City. Uh, that's what got him a big PEN Martha Albarn Award. Flynn. Uh yeah, and that was turned into a movie called Bean Flynn with De Niro and Paul Dano. It was pretty good actually, a little indie movie.
0: Really? I'm surprised that was good. I always end up hating movies about... <coughs> <coughs> Damn. Um, it's
1: a little, like, it's about him, so it's a little, like... And it's indie, so there's, like, very, like, emotional kind of, like, look-at-what-a-piece-of-shit-I-am scenes. Um uh,
0: split into three sections, all right?
1: Yeah, but, you know, he's written a bunch of books. He's got a lot of accolades to his name. He, uh, he teaches at University of Houston, but only in the Springs, which is fucking weird. And then he spends the rest of his year in Brooklyn and elsewhere, is what he says. So, Does he still teach at Houston?
0: I don't fucking know.
1: I don't know either, because I know he was kind of under fire during the Me Too craze. Oh, was he? Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. Him and Juno Diaz uh, got got caught up in the me too thing uh so i don't know if they took him off that or not
0: yeah it's possible
1: i mean both him and yeah like it was not uh
0: i mean they're both writers that were already successful enough that i think they're going to i mean not to be a dick i think they were going to survive that no matter what
1: yeah, well, both, the thing, I, the reason I say him and, and Diaz together is because they were, both of their accusations that they got during that kind of craze was, like, they were a little, like, uh, like, it was consensual sex, but then it was, like, after kind of thing, yeah. that, like, there was, like, some, like, expectation that if you have sex with a famous writer, they're supposed to give you a book contract or something, and that was, like, the main complaint. So it wasn't, uh, like, there was students? Like, uh, it was students Oh, okay yeah, I think. Well, yeah. yeah That's
0: always an iffy territory
1: Right Same category as, uh What's her name? Uh, that Iowa lady Uh Uh, Joyce, Jory, Jory Graham Jory Graham Yeah, Jory Graham Yeah well, She liked to talk students,
0: right? Yeah I thought she was, like, <laughs> famous for it
1: Yeah, exactly Yeah And she's still good-looking, too Yeah, Jory Graham Uh, even in her 60s here Uh Anyway, we're off topic. Way off topic. Where do you want to start with this?
0: Yeah, I mean, well, wherever you do. Like I said, I only uh, had time to give it one read. I hate only giving it one read. I don't think, you know. I typically just don't think that's enough for any book of poems. That's just me. Or any one poem. I don't think it's enough to read it just once. Some of them I did read twice. Um, I really liked the first poem.
1: i always depend
0: (laughs) on the first poem as sort of helping me understand how to read the rest of the book so i tend to come back to that um you? i I liked this one what did you think about it
1: uh i liked it i think my favorite poems in this were fire that first kind of long spaced out one that and there's a couple he has like one called fire um Earth, yeah. He has air, all of
0: the elements. Like he has. Water. elemental problems.
1: And those kind of do, they do help to frame the book a little cause they're written in a similar style. And those are the ones that specifically reference the captain as they're spaced out between the, in the pages of the book. And it, it does work structurally. It works in kind of a cool little follow through way. Uh, but fire is probably my favorite. Of yeah, those. I agree. I think it works the uh, best and, too. Yeah. And the best done, Yeah, but, uh, yeah, so my favorites were fire and then imagination.
0: Yeah, those were the two that those were the two big ones that I marked, and I also, <sighs> um, I also just thought that this first section was by far the strongest of the three, by yeah. a long shot. And I still am a big believer. Maybe you learned this in a workshop or just like from reading books, but you always want you know the last two poems of the collection to be bangers, you know. You want to go out strong, super memorable. You want to kind of put your bullshit in the middle, maybe have a really strong one in the, right in the middle, you know? Like, yeah, just right, r- right
1: before it peters, <laughs> it peters into the big strong. Yeah,
0: dude, you want it to be uh, your first couple of poems, your end. last couple of poems, and maybe one in the middle. And like, <laughs> let your shitty poems be the other ones. <laughs> this one, I feel like they were all up front. All of the bangers were up front.
1: Um, yeah, and writers know, right? Like when you're writing stuff, like there's, like when you put a book together, right? Like there's like some themes, some fit the theme, and some don't quite fit the theme type thing. And then you can, you know, critics or whatever, podcasts like ours will make their, uh, <laughs> their judgments about yeah, it. But
0: I think you can also get so deep into something that the longer you spend in it, like in a project, when you're writing it, the further removed you can get from your audience and being like, okay, does this poem work o- on its own? Or like, hmm. am I just too deep in my own head right now? And just right. sort of, you know, writing something that makes sense in the world of these poems. But if this poem sat on its own, would it make sense? You know, I think that this right. this book maybe falls prey to that a little bit. Um, and we can talk yeah. about that. And I think that's true of any... Um, i think that can be true of like anyone who works with this sort of um very specific theme in this kind book. of style yeah. right but like he uses a lot of collage or like pastiche yeah. you know he pulls from a lot of sources he uses a lot of fragments um
1: a lot of song lyrics that get pulled in
0: yeah he uses a lot of pop culture which doesn't you know i have no qualms with that
1: oh i, I love yeah, pop I culture references if they're used, done well yeah
0: really good reason here I have some thoughts about that but we'll get there
1: yeah it's it's funny like I, I like listeners might not I don't think I've ever said this on the pod but like it, it's not secret uh my uh one of my favorite poems ever is Lana Turner has collapsed by Frank O'Hara I'm a huge Frank O'Hara stan and I remember sharing that with my students and being like oh this is so cool like the way he uses the pop culture references with like Lana Lana Turner and I shared it like in a poetry class I was teaching my students. So Who's Lana Turner? I was like, ah, fuck. Like, <laughs> I guess it doesn't work as well if you don't know what the fuck. If you don't know any uh, history at all. <laughs> if you don't know any. Uh, yeah. He, I mean, he could have said Judy Garland and they wouldn't have fucking known. So it doesn't matter. But yeah, I like that. I like pop culture references when it's used well and can be more timeless. you want to talk about this first one? Yeah,
0: I mean, I just want to talk a little bit about what it may be, some of the themes that it sets up before we get into the first um, Captain poem.
1: Yeah, and he's, listeners, if you're not, if you haven't read this or you're not looking at the page, like, his style is very important because of the way he structures this. So, in this one, it's kind of a prose poem, even though it's called Haiku. yeah haiku in parentheses failed, right? <laughs> a failed haiku. But if you, he uses uh basically backslashes to I would assume represent line breaks. Yeah. Um which is an interesting way to use in a prose poem so you kind of use line breaks without them existing. It's a really, you know, he's not the first person to do this, he won't be the last, but he does it well, so. Yeah, it also, there are line breaks. you
0: know, it makes you read it a little bit faster, right? It takes some of that breathiness away.
1: Well, I would say, yeah, I mean, definitely. But I would say it, it implies the slowdown without putting it on the page. Yeah, like but a there's also not as much in. of
0: it, because your eye literally doesn't have to move as much. Right. Um, but yeah, the first line, the thin thread that holds us here, tethered, or maybe tied together, what do you call it? Telephone, horizon, song? So already the things that sort of come up telephone horizon song Uh,
1: (laughs) and think of those like three things compared right telephone horizon song like they're not naturally like things that go together but like this is kind of the brilliance of Nick Flynn is he forces these things together right forces you to contemplate these three things together right
0: yeah so we also like get a sense that there is like um, a way of Talking about, you know, what puts us in contact with one another, right? How we're connected. How we're internally or externally connected, right? Um, Listen to yourself sing. We are all God's children. We are all God's. We walk the earth sometimes. Two sails inside us sometimes. Um, So this is where we start to get, you know, a theme of ships, which carries throughout this whole book really important until one day for no reason it sails hello damn phone so he has these interruptions too that i found really interesting
1: and the interruptions usually call back to something already existing either in the book or in the poem itself so again just more praise for flynn in terms of what i would say is his his ability talent you know i don't want to say genius but creativity all that you know being able to make that work work work, the interruptions work well work really well and they call back to things we previously read if not in the actual poem itself like a previous poem in the collection or something it's uh quite 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 good
0: yeah it was really i mean basically he positions like he sort of identifies the thing that we are inside of us like he sort of separates body from self i guess here our body's the bottle a ship inside each until one day for no reason it sails hello damn phone until one day it sails out of sight until one day it cuts out of earshot bye bye muttered into your cupped palm bye bye boat bye bye rain look maybe this is the place we've been waiting for maybe this place is the day inside us um I, this is one of the ones that i had to read a few times I, I always recommend doing that for the first poem of any collection, right? Because, again, I think it does kind of lay out a lot of the important themes. It kind of instructs you on how to read the rest of the book. Reminded me a little bit of Robert Haas.
1: I've never read Haas.
0: Um, just of this one poem, of his most, you know, one of his uh, most famous poems.
1: I think we brought up Haas before on this yeah. podcast, and I still I've never read him, but...
0: Yeah, he says something about like the body as the body is a day, the poem as a day. I don't remember. Something like that. One of those. It's in one of his most famous poems. But either way. And it wasn't anything about the style that reminded me of him, it was about his choice of imagery. But yeah, I, I thought it was, you know, interesting the way he set up the internal and external, the body and sort of the internal self. I think it sets up a lot of, you know, the conflict that he discusses later. And then he ends like the with th- that, is it um, is it still your heart? Is it well well welling that comes back? And I loved that repetition there.
1: Yeah, sometimes it's overkill, like one too many repetitions, yeah. but in a lot of time a lot of places he really nails that repetition. And I think we just talked about this on uh, the last poetry we did, right? Chris Lee's uh, book.
0: Heather Crystal.
1: Yeah. Oh, Crystal's. I still say it wrong.
0: I mean, we don't yeah. know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we didn't, we didn't look up. We didn't look it up.
1: Never will.
0: Um, but yeah, there, it's definitely one of those books where like, you know what it's about, but you can't nail down every individual poem. And at times I do find that frustrating. There are things that I want to be able to nail down.
1: Well, I'll say yes, I agree with that entirely. I don't find that
0: to be an issue with this first poem. I would say this poem doesn't want to be super nailed down, but it does all the things it needs to do to give me enough meaning to feel like I enjoyed it and I'm getting something from it.
1: And he doesn't do this so much in his first book, uh, Some Ether, or his fourth book, uh, My Feelings, But he does do it in Blind Huber in this one, whereas everything Sophie said I agree with, but I think the reason it works better in the collection, like that, he he grounds it through the themes. So even if we don't make sense of this, it's still grounded in the themes of the Captain asks for a show of hands kind of thing. Like he almost, I don't know if he does this, I've never talked, I mean, I've never fucking met the guy, like I've never spoken to him at a conference or anything. I have friends who have, you know, gone to readings and gotten book signings and chatted with him a little bit apparently you know he's he's a pretty down-to-earth guy pretty pretty friendly to fans and stuff and we'll talk to you if you go up to him at the conference or something but so I've heard you know I don't know from experience but yeah uh I, I think it just I don't know if he creates these rules for himself like to, to keep everything structured because because we talked about this a little bit yeah on the on the crystal episode where uh the grounding that we were longing for in that book. Flynn does a great job of giving us that through the themes, like staying so strict to these kind of theme, like it's themes. Like they're not like strict rules, right? but like yeah.
0: calling back to them Those, and building that meaning right. over time. Um,
1: and that allows you to have a little bit more freedom
0: Yeah, I think with that's something this kind that we of not saw... making
1: sense. Yeah, with this kind of playing around and like. He's very good at that. Hence, why his books are such a thrill to read. They're usually tied around a larger theme or a big character, like this, like a captain-like character that keeps coming back. uh And it just it that's a distinct difference. I just wanted to touch on, but
0: yeah, yeah. And I, there I are a lot of authors that do this really, really well, right? We've seen this. I think we, I've seen this with Charles Simic. Um, Simic, yeah. I'd say I've seen this with Sabrina warmark um, Yeah,
1: she doesn't write much poetry anymore, does she? But
0: she hasn't in a while
1: she's on that fiction train yeah. man. She's uh, trying to get that money
0: um but yeah i think i think this book does that well now the thing that i want to talk about i really enjoy the next poem second poem in the book fire um there's yeah, it uses a too. lot of white space right so it's broken into yes. sections that are really short and each one is on its own page um, some Let's at talk the top of the, the white page, space. some at the top of the page. It goes sort of up Boom. and down sometimes. Not always.
1: Let's talk about the white space because I, I do want to talk about that because that a, it's a technique. I think it's a technique that goes can be misused and a technique that can be used to its fullest potential. Uh, I think he kind of uses it to his fullest potential here with the way these are structured, but I mean, what do you think?
0: I think it works here. I think it works here well. i didn't have any long meditations about like why is this here <laughs> yeah that's at not the requ- bottom of the page and not the top of the page
1: and that's not required listeners to have an opinion yeah like you know uh
0: yeah i have no real meditation passing on thoughts count, I, do think, yeah. I mean we don't know yet if you're just like reading this book in passing right if you haven't read the back of the book if you haven't like Done any research before reading this book, and I don't necessarily expect anyone to.
1: I say it's good to just go in without all that right. shit. Just you first, first read, just being like, let it wash over you, and then if you want to go back and do more, like Sophie said, research what is this saying, then you go back and do that. Right.
0: Um, I had read at least the back of the book. I had. Oh, you read it prior? Yeah. Because I was like, okay, this is the book we're reading. What am I getting into? Um,
1: right. I have read this book before, but it was years ago when I was in under, uh, grad school. So probably like six years ago that I first picked this book up.
0: Yeah, I think I I knew that this was going to be connected to the War on Terror before.
1: See, I didn't know that.
0: Um. So, yeah, I actually don't remember when I found that out. I probably read it when I like ordered it. Um,
1: right is that on the back of the book at all
0: yes yeah
1: so if you read the back like kind of description of the book which really it's rare that a poetry book has a description on the back of, of what what's inside it kind of thing you know like a plot summary or something that you would see on a fiction book yeah pretty rare that you have that for a poetry book you know
0: um so it I think without that knowledge and without having a notes section Right, he does have a note section in the back which I didn't notice uh, at first. So you can always check. He can always check the back. He's of even the boat, but
1: uh, <coughs> he's even playful with his notes sometimes. Yeah. Like I think he's yeah, he's he playful is. in the way that those are written, all that kind of stuff.
0: Um and the, but, and that's fun. Sometimes like I refreshing. wonder in these yeah. cases if in every case I think it's good to have those notes. I wondered at times if references were being used to their fullest potential or like if something was clear enough in the poem without needing the notes to tell me what the poem was about or what it was taken from. And I definitely think that there were cases where I needed notes to tell me what, what the fuck I was reading. And would yeah, not have otherwise I think that's known. And I think that for me is where i wanted a little bit more from some of these poems and you know again nick flynn doesn't owe me shit like i enjoyed the fuck out of reading this book i was totally happy to do it but yeah there were places where i was just like i would have no fucking idea if i wasn't reading these notes and even then i'm like can this poem stand on its own but again i think so i wanted to ask you with this first poem right it's how many pages?
1: Fire, you're talking about. Uh, and again, I, when I, I say know.
0: this, I mean short, short pages. Like it,
1: it goes from page eight to page nineteen, or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so about ten. In the book. 10 or
0: Eleven. Um, yeah. I think. And there are things that I'm noticing now that are standing out more now that, like, I know exactly what these poems are referring to. And I think if I had been an adult, uh, you know, when all of this shit was happening with the War on Terror, because we're thinking back what, this book came out 2011, so 10 years after 9-11, right? yeah, and I guess the real
1: bombshells—the bombshell drops about Gitmo and yeah. the other prisons throughout the throughout the world, um, yeah—which are basically torture camps. Like those dropped like the end of Bush's second term, I think. I can't remember exactly because I was in high school and didn't really give a shit. Yeah. you know what I mean. Like I wasn't paying attention to world events, but uh, I think the big bombshells of that and like Dick Cheney and all like that—that that all dropped uh, like kind of the end of Bush's second term, and that kind of what made him lose a big approval rating kind of stuff
0: but so we have these poems that are specifically about what we refer to as the torture memos Um, yeah and I I had to look these up I didn't do a lot of research on them I don't think you need to do much research to understand what Flynn is writing about like I don't think you need to go and read all of the torture memos to be able to grasp this And as you read them, (coughs) you'll read them again. um, The second section, or the second, yeah, the second little piece of this poem. To be clear with the body. And that's separated here by a, a colon, right? To be clear, colon, with the body. Captain, we can do as we wish. We can do as we wish with the body. But we cannot leave marks. Captain, I'm trying to get this right. And I'm underst- like now reading this again, I'm kind of understanding it more about um, some of the justifications that were made in these memos, right? Like you can do this to, you know, it's okay to do this to torture people, but it's not okay to, you know, basically kill them, right? Is a lot of what these were saying. Again, didn't read them. Did a little bit of research before the pod. Um
1: well this one specifically isn't necessarily pulling from at least not in the notes like pulling from the uh uh transcripts of the hearings but he said it's pulling from a lot of other poems Mm -hmm. and then song lyrics from springsteen britney spears metallica and a bunch of other ones and he says whose music was used again without permission to torture prisoners uh (laughs) and then he said there's like an association that was pressing the u.s military for royalty payments uh, because they were using metallica songs to torture people uh what was uh christopher hitchens when he when he volunteered to be waterboarded uh this was around that time right so hitch died in 2011 i think hitch died in 2011 2010 i'm a big christopher hitchens fan so uh, i should know this more than i did but uh, I think it was like 2007, 2006, when he famously uh, like was for like you know basically like Gonzo style journalism, like had himself waterboarded <laughs> and then like wrote about it. <laughs> uh, so like when uh, when nonfiction writers run out of ideas, uh, volunteer for waterboarding. Uh. <laughs> All right, so should we let's 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 just read this. Let's read this and then we'll so people know what the fuck we're talking about. We reference this. Fire. More the idea of the flame than the flame, as in the flame, of the rose petal, the flame of the thorn, the sun is a flame. the dog's teeth, flames. To be clear with the body, Captain, we do as we wish. We can do as we wish with the body, but we cannot leave marks. Captain, I'm trying to get this right. The world's so small, the sky's so high. We pray for rain, it rains. We pray for sun, it suns. We pray on our knees. We move our lips. We pray in our minds. We clasp our hands. Our hands, our hands look tied before us. I remember, captain, something. It didn't happen, not to me. This guy, I knew him by face. I don't remember his name. One night, walking home from a party, a car it clipped him. For hours he wandered, dazed. His family, his neighbors with flashlights they searched all night the woods calling out here's the part captain where i tell a story as if it were a confession i was hiding i was hiding out on damon rock lighting matches and letting them drop to the leaves below little flare oof, little flare ups flash fires a girl wandered down the path she just stood there watching the matches fall from my hand captain I'm trying to be precise. Hot, day, a cage in the sun, a room without air, the mind-bending heat, the music, a flame. Hey, Metallica, hey, Brittany, hey, airless, hey, fuse. I don't know how it happened. Perched far above, I offered her a match to pull down her pants. One match, her hairless body, hey, little girl. I dropped it unlit. I didn't know what it was I was looking at. Hey, captain, I don't know if I'm allowed. Hey, Captain, and you, hey, Captain, years ago I'm walking, one drunk night, even now I wonder, still, sometimes, still I imagine. Was I hit? Am I dazed? Shit, imagine. Was I hit? Am I dazed? This dream, this confession? Hey, little girl, is your daddy home? Hey, Captain, hey, sir, am I making any sense? The boy stood on the burning deck, stammering, ele- elocution, wait. The boy stood in the burning cage, stammering electrocution no the boy stood in the hot hot room stammering I did stammering I did stammering I did stammering I did stammering everything you say I did I did hey Metallica hey Brittany hey airless hey fuse hey phonograph hey Hades hey thoughtless hey captain this room is on fire captain this body will not stop burning captain oh my captain this burning has become a body captain oh my captain this child is ash Captain, oh my captain, my hands pass right through her. Captain, oh my captain, I don't know what it is I'm looking at. It's important to be precise, to say what I know. The sun is fire, the center of the earth is fire. Your mother's cunt is fire, an airless flame. Still, still, I don't know why she pushed me out. This cold, cold furnace, we all were pushed, a rim of light around our heads. She gave a kick, sent us crawling, out. Toward the flame, toward the pit, the flaming pit, your lover's tongue, the flame, a thorn. Every day, captain, sir, captain, I was left a child, after school, alone, I found a match, under the sink I found a can, a spray can, Lysol, disinfectant, it made a torch, I was careful the flame didn't enter the can, I knew it would explode, somehow I knew, I'm trying to be clear, sir, the flame, shot across the room, then it was gone. All right. A long
0: one. Yeah, but still like even then not, right? Um yeah. for a you know, ten page poem, it really isn't like actually ten pages.
1: Yeah, maybe a hundred lines.
0: Yeah, and there are definitely sections of this poem that I think are doing more and working better than others. But overall I thought it was good. Again, now reading it and hearing it the second time, I'm seeing more connections to um you know the theme of like these torture memos and how they come up and just and the war in general
1: yeah and it i guess there was that whole just following orders things yeah. uh, was the big defense right and there is some truth to that in terms of if you're a petty officer and your commanding officer tells you to do something and you don't do it you know, like, you will be kicked out of the military type thing. So there is, like, this kind of level. And, like, he does this through this kind of, like, a a speaker, like, referencing the captain, like, asking for reassurance, asking for <clears throat> the rules, right, that aren't really clear. Um, there's a lot of sexuality. There's always a lot of sexuality in a lot of Flynn stuff, if you read his stuff. Uh, uh, it's vivid, or maybe vivid isn't the right word because it isn't like, oh, these vivid descriptions. It is like, it's muddled, but also vivid. I don't know if that, does that make sense? Probably not at all. Yeah, I mean, things like kind
0: of blur together, but there are these like vivid images.
1: But you can tell that it's like technique and a reason, and I tried to read this as it's written, but like, this is where I think some of these sections work really well and then other ones don't.
0: Yeah, what are the ones you don't think work well?
1: I think some of this. What was the section I read where it was very kind of? All right, I didn't label these sections, but this is one, two, three, four. Fourth section. I thought worked, but the way it was structured. I remember like,
0: Captain Something. It didn't happen. Not to me. This guy, I knew him by face. That one. Yeah. yeah, me too. I have that one circled. I also circled the one before it.
1: In terms of that not working. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, cool. I really like the last line of it. I wish that I felt like it could do more here.
1: Well, he does this stuff with the line structure where he... And he does this in his first book, too, where it's like these quick little... It's an extension of the sentence, but then it's also using the technique of line break to create a new... So that it can be read both ways, essentially. Not that it's like he's trying to like do this trick or be cute with it, but it is like to... I remember Captain something. It didn't happen not to me, but that's broken up in terms of. I remember Captain something. It line break didn't happen not break to me. This guy, like so, it's yeah. like, and you could read those <clears throat> like, if you you could read those uh, all together like through the breaks, or if you pause if you stop through the breaks it does kind of change the the pace and direction while keeping it this kind of, like, to me, this guy, I knew him by face. I don't remember his name. One night, walking home from a party, a car at Clifton, for hours he wandered, dazed his family, his neighbors with flashlights. They searched all night, the woods calling out. So, like, it the line could work by itself or it could be work, like, yeah. and it also works with, like, the previous line type thing. So, neighbors with flashlights, they, like... Does that make sense what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I mean, I get it. I also just think, yeah, I don't know. I I just think that this section doesn't, without a little bit more context, it doesn't do anything for me. It's interesting. It's just, it doesn't, without, you know, sort of drawing too many conclusions from what isn't here.
1: Right. Well, you know, I, I want to talk like about I'm that doing with the a lot of, um,
0: Right. I, I, like I do feel like I'm kind of doing a good bit of that in this book, and that's one of the things that if I was going to be critical of, I would be critical of that.
1: And we've talked. Um, of, this is another reoccurring theme on uh, Heavy Board, where we've talked about this in terms of uh, influence, right? So if we are reading a book, and let's say we watch a lecture on it before we record, or something like that so we have somebody else's thoughts kind of influencing ours or something right and we're always kind of like all right like how much did that change my thinking type stuff it's the same idea but in like poetry it's like or or fiction or anything yeah it's like once you learn uh like we said if you read this without reading any notes or any of the the writings on the book you might not make the connection Mm -hmm. uh But then sometimes we run the risk of once we make that connection, well then, like, using that to, you know, paint over everything, kind of. Yeah, and And there is
0: a circumstance which it's, like, hitting you over the head with it, where it's like, okay, like, we don't need, you've already alluded to this thing, we don't need you to tell us, you know it's referring to this day precisely at this time and that this is exactly what happens. If you give us a little bit, we can run with it. But this is one of those cases where I wish a little bit more had been given. I still remember, like, you know, it's like having a class where your professor gives you a poem that refers to the March on Washington and stops the class to ask you if you all, you know, know what that refers to. It's like, yeah, dude, we didn't need more than that. Like, just that one... (laughs) The, like, the words March on Washington was enough. It was probably a little bit more than enough. This, I I wanted a little bit more.
1: Section 11 I think works pretty flawlessly and that's right after the Whitman references. Page 18.
0: It's important to be precise to say yeah. what I know.
1: I thought that yeah, worked pretty flawlessly. I think called back
0: pretty well to the very first section. I also thought the Whitman section was good. The one that refers to was, captain, uh, my captain um you know i thought the metallica section the hey metallica hey britney hey airless hey fuse um mm, you know it's fun those are fun lines i enjoy reading them so it doesn't you know it doesn't diminish anything for me if i were to look at that and be like is this good enough to stand on its own in like a section of like of this poem i'd be like "Eh." You could yeah, get if it, we you, I think you it. could get rid of it and save it for a different poem
1: yeah if we removed it it wouldn't really do much it's only two lines and it's literally given its own section so I guess the, he would want us to particularly pay attention to it or whatever we could extrapolate out of yeah I think he wanted to call
0: more attention to those you know those bands that were used right. in the torture process and again he's like being a little bit bitchy about it in the back of the book which is fun we enjoy that yeah the other notables from here I mean do you have other thoughts on this poem or did you want to move on
1: (coughs) Uh, no I think I said everything but like yeah like the fire connecting to sex um, I said the line breaks sometimes they work better than others but I can see what he's trying to do with those so I do give a pass on some of them Uh, it's kind of like a stylistic thing he does yeah modest mouse references on page 26 and 27
0: yeah do we think that there's a big um in terms of this second poem that we were just talking about do you think there are any significant things we haven't touched on that are important to the rest of the book like what do we why the elements you know why do we see these elements come up throughout the book so we he refers to them all fire water error there's a poem for each of them
1: just left out heart dude and we'd be doing a captain planet
0: yeah. It's true. Kind of is. Yeah,
1: I didn't really I didn't really pull a connection into the earth, air, fire. Did you?
0: We can come back to it. I mean, I think he says the idea of flame, not the flame itself. Um and that kind of comes back to this like first poem to me where he doesn't talk about flame at all, right? But he basically talks about the idea of the body versus the self. And then there's also, like, I, yeah, I actually don't know. I guess I think he, he is just using this theme of flame and heat and, like, destruction. Right. But then also, I don't know why. Um, I, I actually don't know why this section of this po- that second section that I think is really strong. To be clear, with the body, Captain, we can do as we wish. We can do as we wish with the body, but we cannot leave marks. Um, in the air. That one's in fire, and fire. so like I do wonder why that one came in fire. But yeah, I think I don't know. Maybe fire is something that's also internal here, for Flynn. Okay. I don't know, maybe that's just a, like a bunch of garbage that I'm saying
1: well the the first very first stanza that it, the more more the idea of the flame than the flame, as in the flame of the rose petal, the flame of the thorn, the sun is a flame, the dog's teeth flames, like it's just kind of saying like it's associating flames with any type of violence, but also like the flame of the rose petal right yeah. so there is this kind of intensity heat Red. um red i even through sex yeah. in there is like the and then that's always torture techniques right they go after genitals usually when there's uh torturing happening your most vulnerable sensitive areas all that uh humiliation uh all that kind of stuff uh they do some of this shit to uh from what i know about they do some of this type of shit to like seals when they're like training navy seals oh yeah
0: yeah so
1: yeah essentially like yeah torture basically to like can you withstand this like are you uh, able to keep your composure when we're squirting hoses in your face and asking you to do things like damn. Or are you going to get pissed off and lose it are you going to I mean obviously this is different This is completely different there are reasons for doing it but
0: you want to talk about the last poem of this section
1: what was that Oh Imagination what about, I wanted to, I did want to hit the magi- the Modest Mouse quotes. Yeah. Uh. In air. Yeah. And that is another long one set up just like fire. All the elements are set up the same way using the white space type thing. And that is section four, page 26 and 27.
0: <laughs> yeah. Before modest, modest Mouse, Captain what? was the world what was the world before pavement (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah this is one of the things that like this section of this poem right i would have to go back
1: i just like knowing that nick flynn's a modest mouse fan yeah that's always fun i'm a
0: pavement fan Uh, i was never as into pavement yeah probably i mean dude he's probably such a chili uh, peppers bro
1: yeah, well, I do have a few eclectic uh, of my favorites that uh, get made fun of in various circles for. That's why he made the chili peppers comment. Is, uh, I'm a chili peppers. <laughs> I'm a big chili peppers fan. I mean, fan. the
0: word californication doesn't not come up in this poem.
1: That's true. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Dream of californication. Fucking
0: Anthony. Um,
1: Anthony Kiedis, and the modest mouse. Dude, we'll all float on. Okay, okay, we'll all float on. Okay, and he ends two sections with that.
0: Yeah, honestly, I thought I thought this poem worked not as good as Fire. Um, I think sections of it work really well.
1: Yeah, I think that's true for all of these element poems. Like yeah. we already said, is that like it does start to it doesn't work as well as the first one still works i backed my car into a cop car the other day
0: yeah we put them in cages they don't like the cages we put them in cells they pray that's a great sound yeah. in the first <laughs> couple lines i swim in the palace it rains from the sky the pool between palm tree and wall the air in the cells is poison they claim the air in the cages is dust I sink to the bottom to see what it's like a grave in the air where you won't lie too cramped. Is that a lyric?
1: I think so. I think all the uh, italicized stuff are direct lines from songs. I think he plays little plays on them, though. I think he warps them slightly so they're not exact lines. Like with the next page, is the supercalifragilistic hyperventilation. That's fun. Supercalifragilistic californication.
0: Yeah, so again, I think there's a solution to torture and breathing, right, where air is placed w- replaced with, you know, dust or poison uh, or water, right? It's replaced with literally, like, almost all the other elements. Uh,
1: oh, that was the big thing, right? It was gas chamber stuff, torture, I think. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, that was like, uh, that was like one of the big bombshells that came out of the Damn. investigation
0: yeah and of course we already know i mean i think the one that everybody knows is waterboarding right that was like one of the big ones shit,
1: that, yeah and that's the least yeah. of it compared to some of this shit, um, jesus
0: but like yeah. i just remember that being like a huge you know and like yeah, dude, this chris, is chris some...
1: hitchens getting waterboarded on bbc <laughs>
0: <laughs> did that happen
1: yeah dude i think it's you can find it on youtube <laughs> So fucking ridiculous! Yeah, dude. That's insane. Uh, yeah. I feel I it. I volunteer. feel
0: embarrassed. <laughs> just hearing it. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then it ends—a uh, grave in the air where you won't lie too cramped. They don't have wings, so we lift them. It's chilling. Yeah. Um, by the time we get there, and you know, there are places that I still don't fully understand what we're saying right and again I do feel like this is a place where I think maybe I'm leaning a lot on what I've read about the book or what I read in the back of the book but I think it is starting so one of the things that I would say this book does pretty well is it starts to accumulate meaning Um, I think that that goes back to what you were saying before is that he's good at sort of putting these things together we have these themes that keep coming back around and these images that keep coming back around and over time they accumulate into something larger that's what we like to see um and
1: constantly ground so that when you have that then it's like almost like a rope where you can go off into the ether you know yeah and and uh,
0: there are places that pull random shit out feel
1: but you're still tethered to like the ground you're still tethered to the real world in some way yeah
0: and even something like song lyrics can help you really do that um I will say there are places where I still feel a little bit ungrounded. And again, some of that might be owed to the fact that I've only read this once. I'm a big believer that, you know, every poem deserves a second reading unless it's trash. Then maybe not. I don't know. Uh,
1: Or it could just be, you know, to the fact that it doesn't quite work, you know, like, I mean, that's what I'd say about a lot of his stuff is even if when I think it doesn't work, I can still see what he's trying to do. And I appreciate that because like you can kind of see where it's coming from it's not just like so out of left field that you're like wait a minute what it's like oh you're trying to really broaden not just what the language can do but what the space of the page can do what the line structure can do what like all of these what bringing in references to song lyrics can do like there's a lot of that i think that I think, I mean, it usually works.
0: Well, it's always interesting to see a poet who pulls from a lot of different sources because you're also sort of depending on those sources to create meaning for the poem. Right?
1: Right. And then let's, you want to talk about that? Like, I'm, where's the line? What do you mean? In terms of, well, I know we talk about, we said we'd talk about this like erasures or something that he has with these redacted. Oh uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. There's definitely, but just
1: like, where's the line, right? So like how much can you rely on this outside thing before it becomes, starts to weaken, you know, what we would call the poem or
0: some aspect. Right. Of the well, poem, and I think that's thing. really dependent, right? Like again, you don't want to hit the reader over the head with it. It's annoying. It's like, yes, we get it. Right. Uh, sometimes like, you know, and you see that you can see this like with certain uh, poems that might have historical references. I think that's probably the biggest one, you know, if you like allude to something historical or if uh, especially if like you're writing in the voice of someone historical, you can hit people over the head with like the thing that you're trying to say about it. He does a little bit
1: of that in his second book, The Blind Humor because it's about like a real person. Like, I mean,
0: it doesn't have to be a historical thing. It could be just about anything. I think when you're depending on something outside of the poem to make the poem make sense, it's not going to work.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's my thing. I
0: think you can't depend on what isn't on the page to, you know... Help the reader understand it right. <laughs> that, I think that's risky, and I think you know I like and we can just sort of talk about it now I think it, it's one of the later it maybe what it's at like the halfway halfway point about a I think further. all the
1: re- the redacted stuff starts in like um third section the third section yeah, right
0: so we're skipping ahead a little bit, but we might as well just talk about it since we're talking about it um we have this poem, Seven Testimonies, and uh, redacted in parentheses.
1: And some of this you can see that the way, that this is another good thing about Grey Wolf, where they do the book design on the inside cover of the book, of the book uh, you see the actual redacted uh, manuscripts, at least partial, some of them, which is, which is cool. It's just a cool little art design to have in a poetry book, you know.
0: Yeah, I wonder, are those the actual redacted ones, or are those his redacted ones? Like where he I, think, I think those, those are yeah, his redacted
1: okay. ones, so it's like the transcript, but it's but like his he redactions. he blocked out parts so, to, yeah, okay. Right, so if you look at the first one there, it says, I woke up, asked why, my children, my wife, my leg,
0: um,
1: same thing as the beginning. So I don't think we need to of...
0: read all of these, so I'll just... No. Um, so from seven testimonies, redacted. I woke up... I asked why, my children, my wife, my leg, outside, my head, cold, rainy, a tent, there were others, I heard, my brother, a pipe, cold, water at night, they let me go once, my hands always laughing. Um, that one, I would say, might be the one that works the best.
1: Yeah, and you can tell, my thing with erasers. And like we were talking a little bit about this as we read through it this week with um, it's, I know there's like a craze, there was a craze even a few years ago of people being obsessed with erasers.
0: Uh, yeah, it got hot in the because, 2010s, I would say.
1: Yeah, and I always say mainly I would say because erasures are easier
0: I think they're, like, a fun practice, and I think they can be especially fun if you're doing something, like, visual. Like, if you are, like, a visual artist who's doing something with language, like, they can be uh, fun. And it's always interesting, of course, to back yourself into any corner to try to make something happen, right? Yeah. Um, It's a way to see what you can make with what little you have. But... I always wonder in those cases that more often than not, I see poems like this, especially the ones where, like, you can kind of see what was blacked out a little bit still, right? Some people do that, and I I can't point to any specific one. It's like, I've just, I've seen them, whether it was, like, a friend who did it or if it was, like, in some journal I was reading. (coughs)
1: where it's so so
0: dependent it it can be so dependent on the thing that's been erased to make the poem make meaning where if you like take away my knowledge that it was built from this other thing if you like removed that from the page entirely if you removed it from the notes would this still have any meaning to me and,
1: and that's because, you know, I guess you're talking about the way it's printed. So it is printed as if it's not an erasure Yeah, in this <clears> case, on the actual sometimes pages. Sometimes,
0: like, I've seen them where, you know, you have an erasure poem where you see the blackout. Right. Like, the inside right. of this cover. Um, and
1: that's easier to do now in, like, the digital age yeah. than it would have been. Um, well, even, yeah, like, 10, 12 years ago. But, yeah, my thing with that is, like, you know, so if I take a sentence and I cut out every word but the article, the, you know. To, like, move along. It's an erasure. It's kind of just like, oh, uh, you know. Okay. Like, uh, you know, like, oh. Yeah. Duh. the <laughs> I cut out every word of the sentence but the because I needed to move along kind of thing. And I'm just like, uh. I mean, it's not like there's a, a correct answer or not, but I, I do, I don't know. I guess I've always just kind of had a little issue with erasure poems. Um,
0: I just, yeah, I think it all just there's always something that you think, could this have worked better? Like if he had played more, maybe with like the actual language of the testimonies and wrote, uh, you know, and I'm sure there are people that would say like, that's really risky. Like, can you, you know, repurpose that, which like here, he already has, you know, uh, can you pretend to be the voice of, you know, one of the people giving these testimonies that endured, you know, this torture. So, you know, you you're going to have somebody who thinks that's not okay, of course. And like, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I'm not here to decide that. But do I think it would have made a better poem had he been a little more playful and taken more liberties in terms of like building it from the ground up himself and maybe borrowing from that language? Um, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because then you, yeah, you run into the problem that we already talked about, which is yeah, how much outside. So if we're relying on what's blacked out to give us context into the meaning of these poems, you know, it can be a problem because it's not, I guess it's not technically outside the poem, but like it is.
0: Yeah, I mean.
1: Because we've redacted it and removed it to create the poem kind of thing. I don't know. I just I guess I always just had an issue with erasures because it always just feels a little cheap to me, like a little like, well, if I take a Shakespeare play and start
0: crossing shit out
1: acting lines, like, is that the same thing as composing poet? You know, like, it's it just as I've a reoccurring theme, at least for me on this podcast, you know, I'm always oh, we're broadening and broadening to meaninglessness. And it's not that erasure is an illegitimate form but it's kind of like, I would say, the lowest.
0: The thing is, I Um, think I found the actual testimonies more compelling than I found the poems.
1: Right, so almost distracting from, like, what you've composed kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and, you know, and they're not, like, super brief. Like, they are, they're short. The testimonies are short. Um, And, you, you know, they're in the back of the book. You can read them. It will take you longer than, to read them than it will to read the poem, of course. Um, but, and there are lines that are like, um, you know, in the seventh one, it begins, my eyesight is fading. In a few years, I will be blind. That's fucking arresting, right? Like, Yeah. It, and it's really disturbing. I mean, they're unsettling, right? Of course, they're testimonies of people who were tortured. But yeah, this is just one of those cases where I feel like it's not there for me yet. I I want or I just I want more from these poems to feel like they're actually you know doing something here and making real use of the thing that it, it it's borrowing from.
1: <coughs> yeah, and if you didn't know cuz they're that it was like um erasure poems, you know. How does that change the reading? Because when I first read this, I didn't know they were erasures.
0: Yeah, right. Like, and you wouldn't. You have to go to the back of the book to know that.
1: Right. Um,
0: so how does that change the reading for you? You know, like, what did you think of the, this poem the first time you read it not knowing?
1: Um, I liked it better once I knew the context
0: Right, because there's very little Uh, to ground you here. Like, you don't really know. Other than the fact that it says seven testimonies, it's like, well, that's referring to something. What the fuck is it referring to? You know, you don't know that until you read in the back of the book. And without it, it's really hard to, to place. It's really hard to sort of ground yourself in these poems. And it's hard to make sense of these poems. And you get a sense of urgency and you get a sense of despair, but you don't get much else. And again, I think that first one works well. I woke up, I asked why, my children, my wife, my leg. Um, I think that would that's a perfectly fine first few lines. But again, it wasn't enough, even as I went on. Like if it had developed the scene more, um, if it had stayed in this space and used from these testimonies and tried to like build this one voice that was telling this testimony instead of trying to sort of situate it as like seven, di- seven different ones. I think maybe that could have worked. Again, taking more sort of creative liberties and taking things from the testimonies without confining yourself to that. Um, I think this poem could have worked a little bit better. That's just me.
1: Yeah, it wasn't one of my favorites, but...
0: But yeah, I thought we could talk about it a little bit since, you know, we were talking about it anyway. Um, do you want to talk about imagination or do we want to move on? Do we want to just talk about a thematic thing?
1: Uh, let's hit imagination and then we can do themes. Cause,
0: yeah. Cause I mean, after imagination, I don't know if there are many other poems that I have marked as being like poems that I really, yeah, I think we could talk about the last couple poems maybe and why those were lackluster. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah talk to me about imagination so
1: imagination is the last poem in the first section page 32 before like Sophie and I said the second and third sections start to drift a little bit away from what we got out of the first section in this particular book Uh, but imagination its a short one page 32 imagination the ground's not a bad place to live for a while a few years not face down exactly not face up either Hovering, say, over the dirt, the earth is dirt, our bodies dirt, and you floating there, a hand's width above me, just until things blow over that war, say, Jesus. Did we really just make it all up? <laughs> it's just great. Yeah,
0: you know? I mean, and there are some really killer ending lines here in this book, too. I'd say that's one of them. Uh, and one thing I would note, too, is. You know, the way that you read it with all of this enjambment, right? It's funny because when when you're reading it on the page, the uh, internal rhyme is really, really loud. Um, So I would recommend to anybody to go look up this poem um, and actually just read it for yourself so you can hear it.
1: And the reason I say, like, with these line structures, it does add emphasis in places that you wouldn't think to without that line structure yeah like the thing that struck me about this was kind of how vague it was but then how it still worked like despite that like especially that reference to war that war say jesus did we really just make it all up like that war we don't know what war Right. We can assume from the context of this books, maybe he's talking about, yeah, the Iraq War, but we don't know exactly. It's
0: grounded enough. I think that's the thing, right? right?
1: exactly. Like, it starts. It war. also starts with something yeah.
0: that's really, like, that everybody can grasp. The ground's not a bad so place work. to live for a while, a few years, not face down, exactly, not face up either. And then, like, so we're already grounded in this idea of, like, okay, being in the ground, maybe being buried, maybe, uh, you know just sort of behind something, like literally living on the ground, sort of. Um, and then it gets sort of more uh, blurred, right? Uh, hovering, say, <laughs> over the dirt.
1: Say, it's almost like a chorus, yeah. right? Hovering, say, over the or dirt. Or like, uh,
0: ho- you know, uh, let's say you're hovering over the dirt, you know? Our body's dirt. He does you this. floating there. So now we get you. And who is you here? I, I read this as me, as the reader, right? Yeah, yeah, A yeah. hands with above I think it's structured me. to give us that, yeah. Right? I, you are the thing that's floating there above me, the poem, the poet, whatever this is. A um, hands with above me, just until things blow over. As though this is some kind of escape. We're just reading until this blows over. We're just hanging out here in the ground. You know, and w- I think the other interesting thing about this poem is, like, what is it that we're making up here, right? The reason for the war, the war itself, like, the horror of the war. It, it, it's... And it's not an ambiguity here that I think bothers me. I don't know about you. Or if it's not ambiguous to you.
1: Uh, Well, like I said, I guess we could... If we... we projected the themes of the book onto it, it's talking about specifically the Iraq war, but I think uh it's broader than that, like and I think that's intentionally done. Well, right? I, I think said that's one of the earlier, things but... that's
0: really good about this poem, right? Especially yeah, any poem exactly. that's about a specific thing, a specific event in time, um has to work outside well, of it.
1: <clears throat> and the kind of like did we really just make it all up? Well famously right we invaded iraq on false pretenses that's famous but uh uh that's could go for almost anything <laughs> like you know the imagination we can create something out of thin air thin air and use that as a justification for almost anything right. like the human mind can do this the human beings can do this nobody is immune like i see it every day right we project we make up uh thought processes of people we don't even know uh And we say, Jesus, did we really just make it all up? And the answer is yes, right? We did, like, kind of thing. Um,
0: Uh, Also, is this the first moment in the book that we even get the word war?
1: I think so. I think it might be the only moment that we get the word war.
0: Remarkable, I would say. And a book that is really, in large part, about war. Or the aftermath of war, even um
1: it's it's just enough like it's 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 just enough
0: but yeah i would say this is one of the clearest ones in the poem and i think it it holds up i think it can stand alone for sure and i like it i enjoy it um are there other specific ones that you wanted to talk about there's (laughs) there's this one section of this one poem that i was reading earlier today and i was like what the fuck is this like what is happening now And this is like, Um, as you know, I was reading the end of the poem. But yeah, where do you want to go?
1: Which one did you say? I didn't
0: say which one yet. I'm holding Uh, off in in case because it's at the end. So I want to wait and see if you have other ones that you want to talk about.
1: The only one um, that I had marked other than those two we already went over uh, was the Baffled King composing. Yeah. The baffled king composing Hallelujah. Another, uh,
0: that's one of the prose poems. The minor poems. Foe
1: and the major lift. Yeah, that's
0: one of the prose yeah. Poems. yeah. This is. I also thought this was.
1: Well, well clearly done. from the Cohen reference, right? Hallelujah, that song. Yeah. Uh, which has been redone a bunch of times. Rufus Wainwright yeah. did a great cover of people this, People fucking love that Anybody's one. I
0: don't interested? love that. That's yeah, not my favorite cover.
1: People love the Jeff Buckley one. I fucking love the Jeff one. Buckley one, dude. Yeah, everybody loves the Jeff Buckley one. I like it. It's not a bad one, but I think uh, Rufus Rainwhite's, Wainwright's version of it was a great little cover. Probably yeah, the best I think cover those are the
0: two it. big ones.
1: But yeah, so if you don't know the song, look it up. It's a good song. Whether, whichever version you choose, the original was Leonard Cohen, so...
0: Yeah, listen to them all. version Yeah.
1: They're all good. I just, yeah, Jubilee. Our war is almost over. Again. We ship out. <laughs> yeah. Again. That was a great little. Again. Yeah. I thought it was. I put Tomorrow, fuck yes next again, to it. Again.
0: Back to wherever it yeah. was. We began. Again. Photograph stuck to the fridge. A red plastic donut underfoot. A bathtub filling. Amen. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, the parentheticals, the use of structure. I mean, think of what he's using here when he's talking m dashes, italics, backslashes, parentheticals. Um, and
0: in this one, we do have periods, I will say. Yeah, periods don't and commas. And,
1: and yeah.
0: Um, it seems something more common in his prose poems than in his lineated poems, which makes sense in terms of his stylistic choice to me because, you know, you don't have the same uh, uh, use of line break as punctuation.
1: Yeah, the baffled king composing "Hallelujah." I'm a little bit like, mm, where does that come in?
0: Yeah, and I mean, it could it could be one of those things where like we need to go back and like listen to the song. I do yeah. wish it came in a little more.
1: Um, I heard there was a secret court. Yeah, we created a wasteland, bye-bye, and called it peace.
0: Yeah, that's one of those last sentences that's really good. And I would say the yeah. beginning of this is really good, and I would say the be- the middle of it is a little bit fuzzy. Mm,
1: yeah, right at the close your eyes.
0: Yeah. Close your eyes. Where are you? Right now? What city? No? Nothing? Krishna trying to convince Aruna. Is it Aruna? Aruna? Arjuna?
1: I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No idea.
0: I oh, don't know. Uh.
1: Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna.
0: Of the righteousness of battle, boiled it down to 11 words. We'll never untangle the circumstances that brought us to this moment. Still nowhere? Here's another hint. My hands are not inside you. Your hands are not inside me. And one of us has forgotten how to breathe. We created a wasteland bye-bye and called it peace. Um. Yeah, no, I think the middle still works. I think I'm still like sort of untangling it in my head.
1: What is what language is that, Krishna? Uh,
0: it, well, I think it's what uh, what religion is that, right? Hinduism. Okay, right. Is that Hinduism? Okay. Um, no idea. Bhagavad Gita. That sounds about right to me. Hang on, I don't know shit. Um, fucking look up pronunciation. It's from the Bhagavad Gita
1: What what the fuck is that?
0: I mean, I think that's Hinduism
1: I have no idea I'm not very educa- educated on world religions I know the not. big ones But I don't know So I don't even know that much about I probably know the least about Islam But I know Probably the most in terms of religion Christianity yeah, I'm pretty sure then it's Judaism, Hinduism then And then Islam probably The big three, you know and the Judaism's just by default, not just because my best friend is Jewish, but... uh yeah, <laughs> because, I don't even uh, know Judaism, guys. You know, was, guys. Yeah, he, you know more I than raised, I do, probably.
0: Well,
1: it's because I was raised Catholic. Yeah, so all my friends I, who were
0: raised Catholic know more about Judaism. All
1: than those, Well, because it was, it's the first book in the whole fucking religion is all the Jewish religion. So it's like, I know all the stories from the original Old Testament because I was you know, ingrained into my head over like my elementary school through high school style learning even before that right when you start you're a baby and you're reading the stories and.
0: dude why can't it just I give me those, a uh, like a is that Arjuna I was just looking for no idea, a phonetic if it's spelling. Hindi <laughs> I couldn't find if it's a
1: Hindi or Farsi or I, I don't know any of the pronunciations for that or like yeah no idea
0: Sanskrit origins in Sanskrit
1: oh it's it's Sanskrit.
0: Its origins has its origins in Sanskrit yeah, well. language. Yeah, well and Sanskrit's is the oldest language in we Indian. know of. Um
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know shit about Sanskrit, I just no, know it's the I. oldest language, and it's basically the basis for all languages, which started, um. say it with me listeners, right, right in the Middle East, there is where we get a lot of the written history, at least, is tracked towards uh, the Abrahamic religions that I just mentioned, uh, all tracked to there, uh, what we refer to today as the Middle East, uh, Arabic numerals, right, our numbers, our writing, but like you said, it's not Arabic, but I think that's also taken from sanskrit i don't know those that are fascinated about languages or know this leave it in the comments comments and correct us i think dude we get something wrong every single episode i think every single episode we've recorded all right i'm just reading yeah we've said occasionally we've said something something. completely wrong yeah (laughs) every single episode we've said something completely wrong or inaccurate or straight up false dude like (laughs) <laughs> all right uh, leave it in the comments all right correct us in the comments
0: yeah but it's where so we have a speaker that's now posing it as uh like almost a riddle right and we've had this elsewhere um in the book we had it earlier in a different prose poem but because
1: well we have krishna we have jesus but we, we have, have still nowhere uh,
0: here's another hint right so now it's posed to us as like a riddle so we're supposed to like have some guess about where we are right and then he gives us a negation he gives us where we're not my hands are not inside you my, your hands are not inside me and one of us has forgotten how to breathe any ideas?
1: no and like I said I don't know any of that religion stories so I don't know any of that like the origin stories the legends the uh, creation myths I don't know any of uh that I would know the Greek stuff better than I would know that. And I really don't know the Greek stuff very well at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh I'm tempted God. to go
0: back to that first poem where he describes each of us as like, you know, a ship inside a bottle. Right? And one day okay. that ship yeah, yeah, yeah. sails and we just say bye-bye.
1: I'm willing to accept it, dude, I mean, like i said i don't I don't know better if listeners out there do put it in the it comments. Once, We'd again, love to hear it
0: interesting it's like I think it's thought provoking I think it's a poem I want to read again before I pass any judgment about you, whether or not that middle portion is like making sense, you know,
1: even if you don't like Nick Flynn, like even if you hear us say like some of these poems we don't like, I mean, like just reading his books is is an experience so even if you don't like it at the end of it like you should give it a read if you yeah, have like, his books poems a read. should be
0: right like it should be yeah. an event should...
1: yeah and then when you read a collection like this that's kind of i would say very well themed and then it it doesn't seem like it in some parts but i think it is very structured not just in like the individual yeah. poems but in the way it's laid oh, it's out to, like, oh yeah throughout the i think book. it is yeah
0: um I also think that this is a book that you want to sit down and you, like, you know, maybe read it in one to two sittings, right? Like, this isn't, like, some big fat collected or it isn't, like, some super dense work where, like, you want to sort of really, like, I can read a poem here and there and, you know, that's enough. These poems, I think, you know, that, like, a lot of them can stand alone. I think in large part they work best together. Um, yeah this is
1: not like reading robert lowell and in some Uh, of
0: the cases as i said i still think some of them like i want more from them uh i think the end of this book is kind of lacking and i might change i feel like this is a book i'm gonna read again and change my mind on that so you know whatever maybe future me will hate me for saying that
1: uh well it's always fascinated me too because i always say like you know people we have less books less people read less people buy books than ever before but yet we're getting more books published than ever before so it's this weird kind of you know the the market demand type stuff is, is really just kind of we're, we're overflowing the market with stuff we don't have a demand for essentially so a lot of books lose money right people don't read it whatever but poetry books i'm always kind of shocked because considering the social media taking over every aspect of the world like poetry books are short like you can read a poetry book in one sitting like i sat down and read this one time in an hour And then I sat down and read it again the next day, like same amount of time, like an hour, right? So it's not a very long book, 90 pages, and it's not like there's a lot of prose all over those pages. It's very short poetry structure, so you can read through 90 pages in an hour. And I'm not like some speed reader or something, anything like that. But uh, it kind of baffles me as to why more people aren't reading poetry, because it is like the shorter way to get what you would want to get out of literature. And you can do that, like you know, an hour in your day. You sit down and read a little book. Maybe if even if you don't get it the first time, like Sophie said, you know, yeah, you just read I, it. Maybe you don't even want to read it again, but it takes an hour to read, and you do get something out of it. And Not every
0: book, of even poems if you don't like it, there will be those that, like you know, have poems that are like a little bit denser. Maybe you sort of really tightly wound. You want to read them again and again, and maybe you just want to read like two or three at a time, and like that's okay too. This is a book that I think reads pretty quickly. Uh,
1: most contemporary books i would say just read through like it's yeah. not like we've done a lot of collected works on this pod and those take you know days to yeah,
0: get yeah and it also can depend but, on like how the book is sort of yeah. com- put together right like we get a lot of these books that are like are heavily thematic and you know virtually every collection of poems is right every poet has their themes even if it's just like for a moment that they're constantly writing about um that'll make its way into poems and um, you can always sort of look through those for those even if it's in a book that isn't as like super about one thing um as this book kind of is uh whether it's like you know you might have one that's like a coming of age sort of uh collection of poems or uh, one that tells like a really specific narrative about a time in a speaker's, you know, life and the, some story that they're telling. Um, I would say this is like akin to that, right? Like it's sort of about one event. You s- they're not really dense poems. Definitely read them in one go.
1: But yeah, I'm just always shocked. It's like, well, if you don't have time to read, well, poetry's the perfect option because, but this thing is most yeah, people don't well, even I like mean, poetry. But dude. People say that, but I bet, it, dude, like,
0: it also depends. Like it does depend. Like I, most,
1: know. most contemporary writers, dude, like they, they haven't even studied this shit. Like they yeah, haven't, yeah. they couldn't even read poem or tell you about it, talk about it. But like they're, you know, it, it's kind of remarkable. I think it kind of shows how shitty education is right now. It's like, and it, this will be come up on the podcast. We've never, I don't think we'd ever do like an MFA episode. I think that's kind of cringe, but like, uh, I always blame MFA programs just because yeah. of like, why do we separate fiction from poetry so much? Not just because they're different genres, but because like literally the way the courses and structure of most stuff is set up, you pick one and then you spend your college years or your graduate school had, years studying only one. Yeah. Maybe well, a little overlap here and there. And that's just like an enforced who don't thing.
0: don't feel comfortable talking about poetry. Right. I What's ran what into I mean? that well, much more than I yeah. ran into poets who aren't comfortable talking about fiction.
1: Well, that's that's interesting. You bring that up because I would see this all the time in grad school. People would turn to me, and these are usually people on the fiction track. Uh, if you don't know by now, Sophie and I were in poetry tracks for our grad school. But it was like they would be like, I don't know, is this good? They'd like hand it to me. Like, I, I have a hard time determining what a good poem had is, and I just ask would look me at that. them. I had straight yeah. up
0: MFA fiction teachers ask me that, which is like wild. To that's
1: me. very low. Yeah, <laughs> that's a new low. Wanna, yeah, I
0: don't want to be an asshole. <laughs> and it's entirely. And I'd always be like. Be like like, they were throwing me a bone or giving me an opportunity or trying to, like, give me work that they didn't feel like doing themselves and, like, whatever. I don't care. That's basically yeah. what grad students are for, I guess. But, uh, yeah, that I was surprised to encounter that so frequently. It's
1: funny. And I always said, like, it's it's funny that you tell me that. That, like, oh... I don't know if it makes a poem good or not. I was like, cause I've never thought that of fiction. Oh, I don't know if I can tell this is good or not. It's like, nope, never had that thought, <laughs> never in my life. Like, well, oh, it's like you can well, maybe read you would know better, can't no.
0: you? Like, right, yeah, that's exactly really right. So well, you know
1: how to read, right? Yeah.
0: But yeah, like, I know, yeah. I think, well, I think I, I still run into this problem though, where I say, you know, I'm not prepared to say if this is a good poem or a bad poem, like I can't go off my gut feeling because there is something about poems where it's like yeah it's hard often to read it once and say this is good or bad but when it's really bad you know like when it's when it's about like when you are reading poems for like a journal or something more often than not i feel like when you label something as a bad poem you can be pretty confident but some of that is also a matter of taste right
1: well, it's all a matter of taste that's why we're pro-judgment of you know?
0: preferences unlike we recognize that we all right. have our um our own preferences whether they're about sound or um, subject or whatever else yeah
1: we're pro-judgment yeah, on this podcast very. we've always been a pro-judgment podcast but even this is why i like harold bloom even if i disagree with him on things uh is like he has a famous quote right like it's all personal like it's all yeah. personal like if you're gonna sit here and say i'm not being objective enough it's like well then you're not talking about your opinion on where on like literature because like it's all a personal yeah, of course. interpretation it's you're all personal reference so you know
0: however much yeah. schooling this person has had and right like you know and someone like carol bloom has had like a lot of schooling in the classics right
1: he was the teacher yeah. for the last five decades i mean he was the guy that taught everybody whatever it is
0: you are depending entirely on the things that they love in books right it some of it's gonna matter on what was the emphasis of their education some of it's gonna matter about you know what are their personal obsessions um some of it's just gonna matter about like maybe you choose books based on like what resonates with you and that has an impact on like you know say the identities of the kinds of authors you choose
1: I think what we're really saying is that poetry studying is superior to fiction so you should just study poetry instead of fiction uh,
0: yeah if, if you're uh, if you're gonna I will say the thing I do wish that I'd had more fiction study because I think that would have helped me um, I think that would have could have been helpful to like my prose generally but I think in a lot of ways studying poetry can help your prose a lot too and just worth studying it makes you a good reader too
1: yeah well I mean the oldest stories we had were poems so again it's like this is poetry is the all-encapsulating form kind of like you said, do you know how to read sentences? Because if you struggle with that, like, study some poetry. Yeah. Take a class or two. Uh, with a good teacher, because, you know, we've talked about this all the time. Sometimes you get a shit teacher, you get a somebody who's burned out, or somebody who just doesn't give a fuck, or, you know, whatever it is. You know, there's a bunch of possibilities. You can get a great teacher, you can get a mediocre one, you can get a terrible one, you know. And that does affect your uh, your interest and how much you retain, but... I guess we're way off topic. We are. Basically we're just we're preaching the superiority of studying poetry. Um, so get on that. Oh so, <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, in Earth we do get a really uh, reference to the memos. All right. That's the first place where we see the word memo come up. I guess in the second second section of that poem, page forty. Okay. If I understand the memo right, Captain, we can use water, but we cannot use earth. That is we can stimulate drowning, but not burial is that right sir captain i've read the memos and i want to do what's right
1: there's like a tinge of humor to it yeah. too which i guess is what it's like and it works, it works like, really it's well. not like because it's like it, it doesn't looks like
0: bitchy you know and
1: it doesn't belittle the subject matter and it doesn't mm-hmm. take away from it like it it works in this really unique way that I think only somebody like Nick Flynn or somebody trying to copy him could do. It's very original. It's very Nick Flynn, right? When you read something like this, you're like, Oh, this is Nick Flynn. This is a Nick Flynn poem kind of thing, which is what you look for, right? Great writers, great artists. They have a very distinct style, sound, whatever it is.
0: Uh, Yeah. I think the first two sections of this one, and this is one of the elemental poems. It's titled earth. Um, uh, there there are sections again. I think work really well. Um, I would say this is one of the ones. I again, I like the elemental poems. I think some worked better than others. I think it's a matter of how many sections in this one, you know, are really strong. Uh,
1: and I, you know, section poems are in right now, right? Like they've yeah, kind hot. of, you know, it's always been a thing, but they're yeah, they're really hot. At least they were like the last five six years uh the only issue with section poems right is sometimes you can run into trouble cuz like uh from what i know like my own experience trying to compose poems especially longer ones it's easy to lose the plot you try to compose a long work of fiction same type of thing right you can lose the the what am i saying the vibe is for lack of a better word you can lose the like the the tone sometimes when you're when you're doing longer multiple sections Because not all those sections fit together, right? I know when you're editing, you're probably putting sections in, taking sections out, so you never know. But, like, you know, just the dangers of doing longer stuff and you have to have skill. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. That's, what I guess, what I'm trying to say. I mean, I'm I'm not saying it's
0: easy to write a super uh, tight, like, uh, you know, concise and, like, condensed poem, right? Like, writing that little tiny, well-oiled machine is tough it's also really hard to sustain um, a long poem. And I think that Flynn does it well. And I think he sort of has his two primary modes where he has like these longer lines that are all sort of crushed together. And then he has sort of couplets, I guess. Not always couplets, but um, I, I think it works well. Captain, the memo says we cannot bury the prisoner, but does that mean we can bury his son? I mean, does it say we can pretend to bury his son? Captain, does the memo say we cannot pretend to bury the prisoner's son? Does it say we cannot make the prisoner dig his son's grave? Does it say we cannot make the prisoner place his son in the hole? I'm trying, Captain, and he still has not answered my question. Right. It gets very, like, I get a really good kind of bitchy in this one. Like, it's just really
1: Well, because it is kind of this. using, yeah, and it's using that humor to show the ridiculousness of the specifics, like, the specifics that were used as excuses for the kind of what we would, literally illegal torture, right? We could say, oh, it violates Geneva Convention. It violates even U.S. Yeah. rules of engagement. Like, it violates, it was technically illegal. They were breaking the law. And there's this kind of cynicism to a lot of Nick Flynn stuff. So, like, that's where I think all the humor kind of sits nicely in terms of, uh, uh, well, you know, these big powerful entities that we call governments or whatever uh, break the law all the fucking time. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, the law is for thee, not for me type thing, right?
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: so there is, like, that kind of, it comes through in that light kind of, like, that we humor that we're talking about these little moments of cynicism bitchiness uh yeah works you want to hit themes i guess we already hit a lot of them or do you want to hit another uh, poem that-
0: i will just say that this is also the poem that ends that dream again captain as soon as i close my eyes shut the one where the car goes into a skid and i can't pull out the one where i wipe my ass but the paper never comes clean <laughs> That's pretty bold to end a poem that way, especially a long poem. Just wanted to say that. Um, yeah, let's hit themes. I think hitting a few. Uh, I had you that know.
1: dream about you again, <laughs> where I drove my car right off a fucking cliff. Blink. Blink 182.
0: Oh, well, Blink 182, yeah. Yeah, we already talked about the seven testimonies. I would say there was this one piece uh, of this one poem. What was it? Is it Saudad? Saudade? Page seventy-eight.
1: What did you say about it?
0: Apparently, it's a word for longing, melancholy, and nostalgia. The only thing, like, so I struggled with this poem. There was one section that just made me laugh Because I was like what the fuck is happening now And it's on page 82 What was it It just begins Oysters (laughs) One sentence One stanza All on it's own Oysters A pool table in the basement Whatever drops overboard Whatever you bury Whatever is abandoned Rises up Washes up We'll all eventually be salvage. Yeah, I had trouble with this one. Also, just because having a single sentence that's just oysters kind of made me laugh. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I don't care if we cut that bit. I just wanted to say that's fucking wild. But this is also... It,
1: it does fit with the themes, though, like in this, where like the very first line is this boat, this broken boat, beam, stem, keel. this beach littered with broken boats, broken beam, broken stem, broken keel, broken oar, this head littered with broken eyes, this mouth littered with broken teeth, rot stench, mold stench, tooth stench gone. I pass a woman on the street, we slept together once, a night too stormy to row, back out. The tower towers above us, I love that one too. Now we can see it, from wherever it gives the impression we will never get lost. And then yeah, then eventually we get to that to that section yeah, of I mean, oysters. <laughs> whatever
0: you bury, whatever is abandoned, rises up, washes up, we'll all eventually be salvaged. So, you know, it doesn't not make sense, but it just yeah. it I don't know that it warrants its own sentence and stanza. Um Maybe it does. It is risky. It's very well, risky. It, even
1: if it doesn't, like, it's a big risk. Like, that's a bold fucking move. And this is one of the things I appreciate about Flynn's writing style. Uh, fucking bold.
0: And this is, is this the last poem? I think it is. Uh, but we go back to the sort of ship idea from the beginning here. So I think he's trying to tie that together. Um,. But it's still like, the I don't know. This poem didn't do it for me the way some of the others did. I would have liked to see it, um, maybe us land on like, I don't know. I, I wanted, um, I just wanted more from the last couple poems. I would say that there was a prose poem that wasn't so bad. Uh, Pulse, Hidden Bird, that was OK. Um, the end, we, like I said, though, we do come back to the idea of these boats, you know, uh, there is a boat, which is no more a boat, beside a house, which is no more a house, in a town, which is no more a town. We no longer say hello, no longer seem to even see each other. Uh, I wonder now whether we'd ever been together at all. Uh you know it goes back to the idea of you know what is holding us together you know telephone song um horizon it also goes back to this idea of like you know everybody is a a bottle with a ship inside it right
1: yeah did you want to hit themes or
0: I mean, we yeah, kind of covered most of them i think we covered them um, I think the biggest ones you know like I think we hit the elements I think we hit the war I think we hit the torture memos I think we hit you know like I think those were you know just torture generally Um, the I think this is maybe I'm sort of just repeating what I read in the couple reviews I read after I finished the book but like you know there's something to be said about I think the psychological effects of war you know obviously there are the physical ones too. I think that maybe oh, yeah. that's some of what we're getting at with some of these uh, boat images.
1: <clears throat> when it goes with the captain, uh, yeah. while captain is a military rank, it's still associated yeah. most with sea yeah, and it's, voyages.
0: Yeah, and I think he does that on purpose. I think it right. um, pulls both of those together on purpose. <clears throat> I think and it does don't it well. I not know the military
1: ranks specifically either but i know captain on most boats would mean you're the highest ranking but i know that's not true for the military so i don't know shit about the military military. Um, i only know very vague rankings of lieutenant major captain you know general like the kind of the way the u.s ranks it in most of the world but and there's like in between steps, there's Lieutenant Major, there's, you know, Lieutenant General, there, you know, like it's not, um, I don't know enough about it. Any, any military people out there can correct us, but.
0: Yeah. Good read. Fun read. Worth reading.
1: Good read, fun read. Uh, is that it?
0: That's all I got. All five yeah. of you motherfuckers.
1: Well, we're starting to get a little movement there, so maybe more than five now, I don't know. Come oh, join us, little My ones. Come join us. Come join us, listeners. Join the Heavy Board Podcast. Subscribe on Patreon. All right, yeah. So we're still looking for workshop horror stories. Uh, if you have a workshop horror horror story that you're willing to share with us, it'd be it'd be convenient because next episode's our Halloween episode, dude. So that would be convenient if you had some. We'd throw the horror in there. Send in a workshop horror story to heavyboardpodcast at gmail dot com. We also have subscription plans. You can subscribe to support this podcast to receive full uncensored episodes and our entire back catalog, bonus episodes, interviews, all that good stuff at patreon.com slash heavyboard. If you don't want to do that, we have uh, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform, subscribe to our YouTube channels, like, share with friends and family, leave us a five-star review. All of that helps this podcast out, and there's a free ways to support us. And next episode, we are doing Dracula by Bram Stoker for our Halloween episode here. So pick yourself up a copy if you haven't read it. Classic. This could be one where we do movie comparisons, too, if we felt like it, if you're up for it. <laughs> There's a lot of versions of this one. Though, so. That's it. This has been Heavy Board.